Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Kingdom people are not self-reliant. They don't have it all together. They don't put on a facade. They walk recognizing they need a crutch. And that crutch is Jesus. They walk in constant dependency upon God. Their needs driving them to the foot of the cross. Pastor Ed brings up an interesting point in today's message. Kingdom people are completely reliant on God for everything. Kingdom people do not look to themselves or the world to fulfill their needs and wants, but are continually focusing their attention on God's agenda and therefore following His path, not their own. Are we kingdom people? How reliant are we on the Creator? God is calling us to refocus our lives on Him. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 3, with his continuing study entitled, The Poor in Spirit. Life conspires to teach us and to reveal to us our own hearts. Haven't you found yourself in situations where all of a sudden you had a revelation of what was in your heart? When a man is poor in spirit... He will not trust in his own heart. I like the prayer that Bruce Wilkerson composed in this spiritual program that he has. It's a prayer in response to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And the prayer says this phrase in it. God, I don't have any trouble trusting myself to you. Because knowing who I am and knowing who you are, it's an easy choice. Knowing what's in your heart and knowing what God is like should make it an easy choice to trust His heart and Him. So blessed are the poor in spirit refers to an individual who has learned to understand his own heart and has come to an end in himself and he trusts in God's heart. It's not only trusting in our in God, but we also will not trust in our own works. The man who does not trust in his own works is the man who has realized that God is his only source. In Galatians 2.16, Paul the Apostle writes, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, for by works of the law no flesh will be justified. That's what Lou was singing about. We come to this table not on our merits. We partake of the communion of the Lord not because we've earned a place at that communion table, but our heavenly advocate, our Savior, has purchased for us a place at that table of grace. The great mistake that sometimes religious people make is we start off right 
We believe, yes, I'm saved by faith and faith alone, but as time goes on, we begin to put notches in our belt. We begin to count our good works. We begin to remember all the things that we've done, and we begin to trust in some of those things. That's why Jesus shocked his audience when he told this story found in Luke chapter 18. He said, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and another a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, there's no question that that Pharisee was a better man than that tax collector. If each of them were running for political office, you'd vote for that Pharisee. I mean, he was scrupulous in obeying the law. He had morals. The tax collector sold himself out for money. He betrayed his country. He was a turncoat. And so when Jesus said that, that shocked the audience. But what Jesus was saying is that when men begin to stand before God on their own merits, they are knocked out from right under their feet because no one merits his way to God. No one on his own works could stand in the presence of God. That tax collector knew he was a sinner. You say, well, he needed to be humble. Yeah, he did. But he also recognized something else. That if he were to approach God, it had to be on one basis alone. Mercy. Grace. You never outgrow your need of grace. You never outgrow your need for the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. You never outgrow your need to come before God humbly. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. In fact, the longer you walk this way, the longer you're on the journey, the greater your debt to grace is. If you look back on the years, and maybe you look at the works of your hands. And as you look at the works of your hands, you recognize that in your best deeds are mixed motives. And even in the good things you did, it was a spirit that prompted you. You realize that there is only one that's good, and that's God. You and I may be in debt. Maybe 
I have a dollar in my pocket to meet a trillion dollar debt. And maybe you have a thousand dollars in your pocket to meet a trillion dollar debt. You may be a thousand times better off than I. But what is that in light of a trillion dollar debt? That's what God is saying. We are all debtors to His grace. All debtors to Him. Now, once we truly recognize our spiritually poverty, there's a heartfelt response. It will make us beggars. Yes, beggars. We'll find ourselves at heaven's gate begging for God's grace. And that's my second point. Spiritual beggars at heaven's gate. Now, the Greek word poor there is a word that refers to abject poverty. There are several Greek words for poor. One word means you just live from hand to mouth. You go from day to day. But the word that's used here is a word that refers to being an absolute beggar. It's the same word that's used in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus who laid begging at the gate. What Jesus is saying is that we recognize our need of God. We recognize our need of God. In Psalm 124, verse 8, it reads, Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Our help is in God. Uh, you realize, I don't have what it takes to live this Christian life. People sometimes say, if only you'll live the Sermon on the Mount, you'll really get to heaven. You'll make it. But who could live the Sermon on the Mount? Read it. We're driven to our knees. We're driven to confess, God, I need you. When I attended Zion Bible Institute, John Paleo, a a fellow student there would have a responsibility of painting the various dormitories, the outside, the inside, and he'd always be singing, I need thee, I need thee. And you know, that's what we ought to be always singing. I need thee, I need thee. Annie Hawks, the author of that song, was a housewife. And back in 1872, she was at her kitchen sink just washing dishes. And all of a sudden, the words came to her in the form of a poem. She wrote them down. And to her amazement, they were a tremendous comfort and consolation to so many others. But she said, 16 years later, when her husband died, and she sang those words, she realized why they were such a comfort. Listen to a couple of the stanzas. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. Another stanza, I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power. 
when thou art nigh. I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Built into your very person are weaknesses. All of us have them. They came through the fall, but they serve us well because they remind us that we need God. There are emotional weaknesses. Some people battle with fears, anxiety, and concerns. There are social weaknesses, shyness. Maybe some have foot and mouth disease. They're too forward. There are physical weaknesses, and that becomes apparent the older we get. There are spiritual weaknesses. There are some temptations that seem to plague us and follow us. Our Achilles heel. But all of those weaknesses serve to remind us, I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. Jesus reminds us that without him we can do nothing. Now, admitting our need isn't easy, but it is essential. I'll say that again. Admitting our neediness isn't easy, but it's absolutely essential. See, kingdom people are not self-reliant. They don't have it all together. They don't put on a facade. They walk recognizing they need a crutch. And that crutch is Jesus. They walk in constant dependency upon God. Their needs driving them to the foot of the cross. Driving them to the Savior. We live in dependence of God. We recognize our need of God and we live in a constant dependent state upon God. You are heaven's welfare case. We are. As soon as we forget it, we're in the temple saying, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. We're enrolled in heaven's welfare system when we come into the kingdom. See, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do some things. No, you can do a few things. Jesus said it. Without me, you can do nothing. Take the most accomplished saint in this congregation. Take the person who has gone furthest in their walk with God. Let them slip away from God. Let them get out of communion with God. And they're capable of the worst sins possible. It's only our communion with God. It's only our relationship with God that keeps us that makes us like him. 
And that's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's not an inferiority complex. Oh, no, no, it's not that. It's not being poor-spirited. No, no, it's, it's, it's not that. It's not low self-esteem. That's not what we're talking about. It's a conscious recognition that I am spiritually bankrupt and all that I have is from God. And all that I need is in God. It goes away against our modern self-reliant philosophy. See, we live in a generation of superstars. And the church is partly responsible for that as well. Because we lift people up in the church. Not recognizing that they have feet of clay. There is only one hero in scripture. And his name is spelled J-E-S-U-S. All other men have feet of clay. Now, this leads to a result. To be poor in spirit is to be blessed. To be an heir of the kingdom of God. In Matthew 5, 3, it says, Blessed, with an emphasis on blessed, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be blessed is to be happy, fortunate. It's to be favored by God. Max Lucado says it's to have the applause of heaven. You know, happiness, yeah, it's contained in that word. But happiness in worldly terms depends upon your circumstances. Blessedness supersedes your circumstances. To be blessed by God is to be in his presence. To be filled with his joy. Now, the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. What are the blessings that Jesus is talking about? Well, simply it's being blessed with the favor of God. Do you ever stand back in amazement at God's kindness to you? Do you ever just stop and look back at your history? Where you were and where God brought you from and who you are now? Are you amazed at his grace? That's when a person is poor in spirit and their eyes have been opened and they are blessed by God. They're blessed with a heart of gratitude. And David felt that way when he penned the words. In 1 Chronicles 17, 16, it reads, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? Ever sit back and out of joy just weep at God's kindness and goodness and care and provision for you? Because you know who you are. You know what you are. And you say, O oh Lord, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah. There's the blessing of the kingdom of heaven. There's the promise of the kingdom of heaven. And just quickly, 
32 times Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven. He's the only gospel writer that does. But he uses it interchangeably with the phrase the kingdom of God. What basically it's saying is here and there, present and future. Presently, we get to enjoy the lordship of Christ in our lives. When he walked the face of the earth, he healed the sick. He lifted up the weak. He ministered to those who were outcast. We get to enjoy the reign of Christ in our life. We come under his headship. We come into his kingdom. And we are blessed to enjoy, as it were, a foretaste of the wonderful things to come. It's present. It's today. I think of Isaiah 61.1 as alluding to this when it says, Jesus says the Spirit, or the Scripture says, and Jesus quotes this, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Haven't you experienced that freedom from sin, going out of darkness and into light? We're experiencing the kingdom now. Even in our worship service, we experienced a bit of the kingdom when the presence of God came down. It's a foretaste of the glory that is to be ahead, the glory that will be in the future. It's present, but it's also future. Someday he's coming back and will inherit that kingdom. He will vindicate himself. He will judge the world. He'll reward the world. And there's a reward ahead of us. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize their need of God, those who don't depend upon their own works, those who don't trust in themselves, but rather trust in the rock of ages, those who come to God saying, I need thee every hour. Those are the people that are going to be blessed by God. Those are the ones that are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Isaiah 57 verse 15 reads, For this is what the high and the lofty one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy. Listen to these words. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And in 66, Isaiah, it reads, But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles, who trembles at my word. Blessed, Jesus said, are the poor in spirit. That's the entrance. That's the path. The way up is down. Bow low, man, bow low, bow very low, come before him in humility. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith. 
with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from the Gospel of Matthew and Pastor Ed's in-depth study of the Beatitudes. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select Today's Date from the Voice of Faith Media Player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. We'd also like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Beatitudes right here on Voice of Faith.